It's good to be here. Uh, as uh, Pastor Aaron shared, my name is John Michael Becker, and I'm originally from Northern Virginia. Grew up uh, right outside D.C., and I attended Virginia Tech. I graduated with an engineering degree in 2005, and through, yes, Nerds Unite, uh, through some uh, interesting circumstances, God led me to South Korea, where I've been living here. This is my seventh year in Korea. Can you believe that? And I've been serving in a children's home. Uh, I also direct the orphanage ministry and serve as a pastor, serve as a healing deliverance coordinator for New Philadelphia Church. Kind of got my hand in a bunch of different things and uh, really is my pleasure to be here. I'm really blessed to be able to speak here for the first time with my wife uh, supporting us, my wife, Sky. Sky, why don't you stand up real quick? Just a little height difference. We're, we're just a little. But this is awesome. I'm really blessed to see all of you guys out here. And uh, God has a blessing for each and every one of you. And if you're taking notes, which I encourage you to do, the title of today's message is The Freedom to Dream. The Freedom to Dream. Well, it seems like people are already blessed. Uh, should do an altar call and... I want to ask you guys, uh, specifically the college students, but I imagine it, it goes for everyone here. Who of you here knows exactly what you're going to do in life? Raise your hand. Yes. we got a couple people that are kind of like, I think I know what I'm doing with my life. Okay, as you can see, you're not alone if you're not sure what you're going to do with your life. And you're at an age where a lot of people try and say you should already have it all figured out. You should know your major. And if you know your major, then that's your job. If you know your job, then you know your life. And that's that, right? That's how it used to be. It used to be you knew your life by the time you were born. Because whatever your father was doing, that's what you had to do. And so when you were seven years old or eight years old, especially if you were a boy, you would have to learn that trade. And that was your life. But our generation is a bit different from all the past generations. It's really this generation that has options. It has choices. We have a freedom to dream like no other generation before us. Have you ever thought about that? And that's why I ask, you know, who of you know what exactly you're going to do in your life? Only a few people kind of timidly raise their hands. A hundred years ago, you would have all raised your hands. I know exactly what I'm doing with my life. I know exactly what I'm going to be, where I'm going to be living. Uh, all these things, but now the world is wide open. And so I want to talk about today the freedom to dream. What does that mean? What is the plan for your life? What does God have in store for you? Because I can tell you, He has an exact plan for your life. I believe Pastor Myungwa spoke last night about how God is our Father. And the truth is, is like I said, in, in all of history, you would do whatever your Father did. Okay, And it was your earthly father who knew your dreams. Even Jesus, he was a carpenter because his father was a carpenter. But for us, we're a unique generation where actually a lot of us are orphans or a lot of us are from broken homes or a lot of us didn't have a father or a mother. Maybe we had a father and a mother, but they didn't really speak into our lives with clarity. And God is the truth is it's God setting you apart for himself. He is your father. And it's as you know him, your dreams and your purpose are going to be revealed. So this is what I'm going to speak about today, the freedom to dream. And uh, I know some of you have heard my testimony a million times. 
but the Mayo students haven't. So I'm going to share my testimony because uh, I believe it's going to help release hope in a lot of you, a lot of clarity. Because I remember when I was in college and I was studying engineering. Why? Because my dad told me to study engineering. Because he said, I think you'll be good at it. Virginia Tech is good for engineering. Be an engineer. I said, okay. I'll be honest. I didn't even know what an engineer did. I didn't. I was just like, okay. And I signed up. And then I remember the day came where I had to choose which engineering, computer engineering, mechanical engineering. I didn't know anything about them. And I had to choose my major that day. And so I quickly read the little details and just chose one and went with it. That was really how I was choosing my future. And uh, I, I just wasn't sure. And I knew I was good at I knew I was good at math. I was, I was decent at, at the major. But what was my passion? I, I, I hadn't found it yet. And it was at university, same age as you guys, that I really began to grow with the Lord. It was when I really began to dedicate my life to Him. He began to set me free from a lot of things from the past. And just a joy and a passion began to well up within me for the Lord. And as the years passed, God began to reveal deeper desires within my heart that I had no idea I possessed. And Psalm 37, 4, I want you to write this verse down. Because if you get anything out of this message, this is what I want you to get. Psalm 37, 4, the revelation that God delights in you. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Okay, and, and I'll be honest, I think a lot of Christians will read that verse and be like, oh boy, if I just worship God, he'll give me a TV. He'll give me, you know, those desires that I have. But I want to tell you that those desires, material desires, they're not the desires of your heart. They're desires that society has put on you. Okay, if you go to other countries, they're not going to have those same material desires because they don't see those commercials. They don't see those things. They don't understand the American dream about trying to get married, have a couple kids, get a white picket fence, all those things. That's what America teaches you. And that's what a lot of other modern countries will teach you. But those aren't the true desires of your heart. And what I found at university as I really began to seek the Lord was that there were deeper desires within me that were hidden even from me because the world had covered them over. Okay, And as I sought him, God began to peel off those false desires. Those things that truly wouldn't satisfy me. I mean, they give me joy. They're a surface desire. I mean, you know, who, who wouldn't mind having a, a big widescreen TV? Who wouldn't mind having a nice car? Okay, of course, that's nice stuff, but that's not an eternal desire. That's not something that's going to last a lifetime. And God began to reveal deep within me, for me, and I'm not saying this is for everyone, but for me, it was a desire for missions. And if you had said to me when I was 19 that you're going to be a missionary and you're going to serve children in Korea, I would have said, no, 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 okay? One, I didn't want to be a missionary. I wanted to stay in America, and, and you know, I liked my, my air conditioning all the time and my food, you know, good food and just the comforts of America. Uh, I didn't want to be a missionary. I didn't know anyone in my family as a missionary. Two, I didn't want to go to Korea, okay? I actually did short-term missions here in Korea in 2002 and 2003, and I didn't, I didn't particularly like it, okay? Sorry, no offense, but... <laughs> I, it's just like, well, this is a country that already has the gospel. It already has some Christians. You know, I, I don't want to go to Korea. I, the food, I wasn't enjoying it then. Yeah, that's very important for a guy. Okay. I, I, no, not Korea. And then three children? No. Okay. If you had told me that I would have to serve children when I was 19, I would be like, no way. I don't, I have no heart for kids. I don't know how to act around kids. 
I don't know what to do. You know, you put me in a room with a bunch of little kids and they're running around me. I, I'll just stand there like a tree, like, I, you know. And yet here God was revealing first it was a desire for missions. And it was later the desires for Korea and for children. They would come. Okay, they didn't initially, they weren't initially revealed to me. It was as I stepped in faith that those desires were also released. I can tell you today that I'm, I, there's nowhere else in the world I would rather be. I am so happy here. And I'm not happy because, you know, Korea has kimchi. I'm happy because God led me here and I know I'm in his will and there's such a joy, there's such a peace, there's such an excitement. Okay, and I'm going to talk about that more as I go through this message. What's going to be released in you as you begin to discover the desires of your heart and step out into them? Okay, and so I started to, to understand I had a heart for missions. And the funny thing was, was although my parents are Christian, uh, like I said, there was no missionaries in my family. And only my uncle, one of my like seven uncles, was a pastor. And so when I told my parents, hey, I, I want to go to Asia and either work there or be a missionary there, they're like, no way. Like, no, you know, you're going to stay in Virginia. You're not even leaving Virginia. My whole family grew up and they were born in Virginia. They're living in Virginia. My family didn't move. And, uh, and to just think of me even leaving Virginia was really hard for my parents. And so my, my parents said, no, you worked really hard for your degree. It's a good degree. Uh, and you need to use it. You need to get a job and you need to take care of yourself. Okay. And so I went to my last year at university and I was really conflict conflicted because to be honest, my desires from the beginning of university were to do just what my parents said was to just get a job, make some money and, you know, live life like most Americans. But here God was revealing within me these desires that I knew weren't my original desires. At least I didn't think they were, but I knew it was God. I just knew it was him because there's no other way I would have wanted to do missions. And so here I am, God's leading me this way, and my parents are saying this way. And I said, look, God, if this is really you, if you're really speaking to me, I need you to make it clear. I need you to make it so clear for me, and I pray you make it clear for my parents as well. Okay? I pray that you lead us together and that they will bless me. All right? I wanted their blessing. I knew that my parents were Christian. They have the Spirit of God. Okay, and so if God can lead me like he had been for a few years, he can lead them as well. I just had that faith. If this is you, God, you can do it. And you will do it, and I ain't moving unless you do it. Because I'm not moving without your blessing, without your clarity. So that was my resolve. And I went into my last year at Virginia Tech, and uh, I fasted uh, one day every week and just really prayed about my future, committed it to the Lord. I took an extended fast as well during that, that uh, last year. And uh, I also made a list of different options. And I wrote down all these countries. I wrote down Korea, Japan, Taiwan, you know, Thailand, Vietnam. Uh, I wrote down all these countries. I wrote down, you know, working as an engineer, going to seminary, uh, doing campus ministry. I wrote down all these different things. <laughs> Not children's ministry. Didn't want that. But I wrote down all these different things, and I, and I prayed throughout that year. And what God did was he spoke to me in unique ways and would say, uh, it's not China. Uh, it's not Vietnam. He spoke to me in very unique ways. I mean, for example, I remember getting pho one time in a Vietnamese restaurant, and I heard them speaking the language. I was like, I'm not going to Vietnam. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Uh, and uh, I, I crossed it off. Hey, God speaks in mysterious ways. I love Vietnamese food, too. It was really conflicting. I bless you Vietnamese people. 
I actually, if if you talk to my wife, you'll know Vietnam is my favorite country. Uh, I went to Vietnam in 2004, and uh, I fell in love with it. But yeah, that language was like, whoa there. Okay, and so I, I would cross things off. And it got to the point that when I graduated from college, the only thing left on that list that God hadn't led me to cross off was Japan. And so... Uh, I'd even applied for a missions group in Japan. I'd met them during a conference, and uh, it seemed pretty cool. It was campus ministry, and uh, it was also a seminary. It was like, all right, you know, Japan, that sounds cool. It's an unreached country. And so I started heading towards that, and I would talk with my parents. And over the year, God would send people to them that would kind of soften their hearts. And in this way, it's like businessmen that my dad would talk to, and they'd be like, oh, it's really good for your son to go to Asia for a year or two and get that experience. It'll look good on his resume. And uh, his degree is still good for two years after he graduates. And so he can come back after those two years and, uh, and get a job. And so basically my family had come around, my parents, to the point where they said, okay, John Michael, you can go to Japan or wherever for one year, okay, and do whatever you want, and then you can come home. And, uh, you know, and so here I am. Last thing on my list is Japan. I got accepted for this mission organization. They wanted me to come out for this training. And my parents are coming around to the point where it's like, all right, you can go for one year. But, you know, I just didn't feel content. I just like, I didn't feel like this was the answer to prayer. I didn't feel like God had led me with clarity. It was just he'd cross things off. I didn't have a passion for Japan or, or anything like that, any dreams for Japan. It was just the last thing on the list. My parents, they hadn't come around to the point where they're like, oh, yeah, this is God's will. It was just like, well, I mean, I guess it's okay if you go. I just wasn't content. And uh, I came home after graduating, and uh, I felt God leading me not to commit to anything until the end of the year. And so I began to work construction, just waiting on the Lord uh, for a family business, just doing electrical work, six in the morning to two in the afternoon, hard hat, you know, digging ditches. That's what I was doing with my engineering degree. I was just waiting on God because I knew he was going to speak and I didn't want to commit to anything until I had that clarity. And uh, I told my family, hey, you know, I won't be uh, having dinner with a family on Thursdays. And they said, you know, why not? And I said, oh, well, Thursday is my fasting day. And my parents were just, you know, what are you fasting for? And I said, oh, well, I'm, I'm fasting for my future. Uh, I've been praying for my future for some time. And my parents, you know, they were, they were kind of taken aback. Uh, but then they, they paused for a minute, moment, and then they said, well, John Michael, your future is really important to us as well. So we want to fast with you. And uh, I was like, okay, <laughs> wow, awesome. And so we fasted together that Thursday. Even my two sisters fasted uh, that day. And the next day, my dad came up to me and he said, John Michael, I had a weird dream last night that you are at an orphanage in South Korea with Pastor Che. Like, what a weird dream, <laughs> you know? And uh, I mean, that's how I took it, too. I'm like, wow, that's bizarre. My, my dad, like I said, they, they'd never been out of the country aside from my parents. Uh, for their honeymoon, they went to Jamaica. But uh, that's it in terms of international travel. And Pastor Che, his story is that in the 80s, he visited Northern Virginia, spoke at our, our home church, and that's when my dad met him. It's in the 80s, okay? And my dad has this vivid dream of me serving at his orphanage here in Seoul. And, you know, like I said, Korea was crossed off the list. I had written Korea on the list, but I was just immediately was like, no, and I crossed it off. <laughs> and, uh, 
And then children's ministry, no, I hadn't, I had no heart for, for children's ministry. And, you know, I was already looking at Japan and, you know, where does he get this dream? And so we just laughed about it. <laughs> what a weird dream. You know, we just fasted all together and, uh, and we just, we just laughed it off. Uh, I'm being honest. Uh, we were, we were pretty dense. And, uh, my mom was the only one that was just like, hmm, you know. Well, uh, a few weeks passed and, uh, I went on training for Japan and God spoke with clarity that Japan wasn't it. Uh, I, I was doing the training with this group and I could just feel my spirit wasn't meshing with these people. And, uh, I went home and uh, I said I couldn't go to Japan to that group. And then, uh, I had to cross it off my list. And so here I had this list of like 15 things. And I prayed over it for a year, fasted and prayed for a year. Everything was crossed off. And so I took the list and I showed it to God. And I said, look, God, I have been praying and fasting. And if you want me to be unemployed for my life, I will do it. I'll do whatever you want me to do. But I just pray that you give me clarity. I pray that you speak to me. And it was just a few days later, my dad had a second dream. And uh, this time it was a nightmare. And I didn't know this about my dad, but he's the type of guy that his head hits the pillow, he wakes up, okay? He doesn't dream. He just, boom, he's asleep and he wakes up. And so to have this nightmare, it really shook him up. And he got out of bed in the middle of the night, went downstairs, opened up his Bible, and just began praying. And was like, God, why did you let me have this horrible dream? And God spoke to him with clarity. I mean, he heard the voice of God. And God said, I speak in dreams. Pay attention. Okay, and immediately the only dream he could think of was me in the orphanage in South Korea. And so he came up to me the next day and uh, he just told me the dream and he told me what God was speaking. And he was really serious this time around. And he's like, I, I think God's saying something. Well, it was in that moment that I suddenly had like a, a light bulb go off over my head. You see, I have a prayer journal. I used to use a prayer journal where every semester and every summer I would write down people's names and I would pray for them daily. And then as I would pray for them, sometimes God would put something specific on my heart and I would write it down beside their name. Okay. And I would write down, you know, just for a healing of their heart or for uh, God to reveal them, himself to them in this way, you know, just like specific things for each person. And I remember right after I graduated, I came home, I opened up a new prayer journal, and I began writing down names, and I wrote down my dad's name. I was just praying for him, and immediately a verse came on my heart, and it was Joel 2.28. And, uh, now, you know, I wasn't raised charismatic or, or anything like that, but God had been revealing things gradually to me uh, at university, teaching me a lot. Well, I opened it up, and it says, Afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And uh, I was like, wow, that's a cool verse. How does it relate to my dad? And, you know, I'm, I'm praying over it. And it says your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. And it's like the, the transmission line with God was suddenly cut. And I couldn't hear anything. And I'm like, man, I have no idea what this means for my dad. But I know I call my dad my old man. So I'll pray that he dreams dreams. I don't know what that means, but I wrote it down. Dreams, dreams, walks in your spirit. I wrote that down five days before my dad had that first dream. And uh, I began praying for him. But like I said, I didn't have any understanding of that, that verse. And so even when my dad had that dream, I was still so used to thinking that dreams were meaningless. 
that I, I didn't think, wait, I've been praying for you to have dreams. It was after the second dream that I realized, wait, dad, I've been praying for you. And God, God is definitely speaking. And so he said, John Michael, we, we got to contact Pastor Che. We got to just find out what's going on here. And so thankfully, Pastor Che can speak English. He's an elderly man in his seventies. He actually just turned 80, but you know, at that time he was in his seventies. And uh, I had his email address and I emailed him and I said, you know, dear Pastor Che, my name is John Michael Becker. I'm from Northern Virginia. I'm an engineer. Um, I speak English. I can't speak any Korean. Can I be of any help at your orphanage? You know, like talk about a bizarre email. And I send it to him and I don't get a reply for about a month. You know, he's, he's, he's a little older and, and, you know, it took, took time. And, uh, a month later I get a reply and it's like one line. It's like, um, okay, we'll see. Uh, we'll pray about it. I'm like, oh, thank you very much. You know, and, and I send, send a reply and I wait. And so, you know, July passes. It was August when he replied. I send my reply and I wait. September passes. I'm just working construction and I'm waiting. And I remember this one night in late September of 2005. Uh, I had had my prayer time. I was getting in bed, about to fall asleep. And I was just thinking about the things that, that I would face if I were to go to Korea. One, I'd be immersed in a children's home. I'd be living with like 80 kids. Uh, two, you know, I, I don't know the language. Okay, I'd have to learn the language. Three, the food. I'd have to, you know, learn how to eat the food and adjust uh, to the culture. Four, I had no friends in Korea. I didn't know of any church. I didn't know of anyone in Korea. So I'd really, you know, have to be starting anew. Five, I, I had no money, you know, for this. I would have to raise support and really live as a missionary. You know, and six, what would I be doing with my life? It's like, where would this lead? Serving in an orphanage for a couple of years, you know, how far could I go? What would this mean? And so I was thinking about all these different concerns and fears and, and stuff. And then suddenly God's peace, it just sovereignly fell on me. I mean, I don't know if you've ever experienced his presence like, like this, but it's just like I was lying there and suddenly it was like, and his peace just came over me. And I remembered all the songs that I had sang about, you know, Jesus, I believe in you. I'll go to the ends of the earth. You know, I love you. I trust you. I will follow you. And I remembered his word about, you never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I'm with you always, even now to the very end of the age. And I just remembered these, these promises of God and his heart and his love. And I knew, man, everything's going to be okay. Everything's in his hands. I don't need to worry about a thing. It's going to be okay. And it was in that moment, that night in late September, that I finally said to God with full honesty, okay, God, I'll go. If you want me to go to Korea, if you want me to go anywhere, I'll go and I'll trust in you and it's going to be good. And I didn't tell anyone about that moment. Uh, I just you know, woke up the next day, went back to work and uh, continued to work. Well, a few weeks later, my mom got an email from one of her friends from the Midwest. And uh, this was a friend that she really trusted, a good Christian friend. And her friend emailed my mom and asked her, hey, how's John Michael doing? And my mom's like, oh, well, you know, he's currently working construction. Uh, we're not sure about his future. He might do engineering. He might go to Korea. He might do something else. We're really not sure. Well, she replies back and says, um, well, I, I've been able to pay off uh, some different debts, some different things. I have this sum of money left over, and I've been praying and asking God what I should do with this sum of money. And God told me specifically to give it to missions. And so I continued to pray and said, okay, God, what mission should I give it to? And God said, I'm to give this to your son to John Michael. And uh, I'm not really, I was never really close with this woman, uh, but she was just prayerful. And she said to my mom at the beginning of December, 
I'll be giving John Michael $1,500 a month for an entire year to wherever God leads him. Okay. It's $18,000 out of the blue. No support letter, no confirmation for Korea, no contact with this lady. She wasn't my friend. She was my mom's friend. Okay. And I remember my mom reading this email and calling me down and showing it to me and just being so shocked. And she said, John Michael, uh, if Korea doesn't work out, you better go somewhere. <laughs> the lady's giving you all his money, you know, and it was really cool because, you know, I've been praying, God, I pray that you lead my parents with me. And so it wasn't my friend. It was my mom's friend. She couldn't deny the faith of her friend. She knew that her friend was strong in the Lord. And so she knew this was from God. Within that same month of October, my dad had two more vivid dreams of the orphanage in Korea. And like I said, my dad's never been out of the country aside from Jamaica. He's never been to an orphanage. Vivid dreams. One of them of me teaching English. Another one of them of me moving in. I mean, he was telling me details about the home. And he was just fascinated because he never dreams. And here he's getting these these vivid dreams. And it got to the point where my family gathered together. And uh, they just, they each shared their heart, their concerns. Like I said, no missionaries in the family. This is pretty crazy to move to the other side of the world. Okay. A lot of you guys are Asian. I'm not. It's crazy. All right. You know, for, for like a white family, that's their roots from Virginia, from birth, you know, to do this. But they all said to serve the orphan is a good thing. And God's clearly in this. And uh, you need to go. And we bless you. And they gathered me, you know, gathered, put put me around them, gathered around me in a circle, and they just prayed for me and blessed me. And my parents said, we're no longer your responsibility. If anything happens to us here in America, uh, you just entrust us to the Lord. You go and do the Lord's work. Okay? You talk about a change from one year where they said, you are not leaving this country. You're staying in Virginia. You're getting an engineering job. You see... It wasn't me trying to manipulate anything. It wasn't my desires, my little plan. It was God's plan all along. And if it's God's plan, nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop it. It takes patience. Okay? A lot of us want an, a microwave answer. Give it to me right away, God. I'm going to fast today and you're going to tell me tomorrow. Okay? No, I mean, it took a year of waiting and praying and fasting, but I don't regret a moment. I don't regret a moment. I mean, they were blessing me before we had any confirmation from Korea. And, of course, it would be that same week that I would get the email, finally, from Pastor Che. And he said, we want to welcome you to come live in our children's home, teach English to the children. Please come out by the end of the year. And so I went, and I obeyed. And uh, it was cool because God didn't stop. He continued to speak, particularly to my dad. And my dad still gets dreams. He's gotten so many dreams about North Korea that it's so vivid to him that now he's ready to drop everything. And come out and join me. Okay, this is my dad who, who grew up doing, you know, construction and then now is an accountant, okay, for the family business. He's ready to drop everything and go into North Korea, all right, and, and to take care of them because it's just so vivid to him. The dreams are too clear, okay? And even before I came to Korea, God was speaking to my dad. And my dad was saying, John Michael, I really feel that South Korea uh, is going to be your home, okay? It's going to be your place of rest. But that in time, God's going to begin to send you out. And you're going to go to different places and do his work, and you're going to come back. And you're going to recuperate in South Korea. Okay, and God's going to continue to send you. And I knew right away in my practical mindset, it was North Korea. South Korea was a step to North Korea because I could learn the culture. I could learn the language. I could learn the orphan spirit. I could learn how to relate, build a missions organization. Okay, begin to serve in those ways so that God could pre prepare me for North Korea. So I could go in running. 
And uh, it was during that time, right before I came to Korea, that God reminded me of some time that I had in my third year of university, back in 2003. And this was when God was just starting. I was really starting to grow with him, and God was just starting to reveal within me a desire for missions. And I remember I would be on my bunk bed in my dorm uh, at Virginia Tech, going to sleep at night, and I would think just about you know my, my, my daydreams. It would just like go around, and I would think about being somewhere in Asia, with a team of people, okay, like this, you know, just just a, a loving, knit, tight-knit group of people, and we would go into some community, somewhere in Asia, I mean, I, there was no specific country, but we would go in and we would share the gospel, we would build a church, like build a children's home, take care of the community, and then after a year or two, and, and once the community was built up, we would leave a couple of people, get a few new people, and go to the next. And then we would just live by faith, we would pray and worship every night, just enjoy the presence of God, and just just trust in Him and watch Him work. And I remember laying in bed at night, and I had heard stories of other missionaries doing stuff like this, and it really excited me. And I would lay there, and I would just smile, and I'd feel so much peace thinking about it. And I love those daydreams. I had them for a few weeks, uh, but then my lack of faith caught up with me. And I thought, man, who am I to think about this? You know, I'm like 20 years old. You know, I can't speak a foreign language. Uh, I've been out of the country before. I didn't like it. You know, I can never do that. I'm too limited, you know, by here I am in America. I'm just going to be an engineer. I'm just going to move on. And I quit allowing myself to have those daydreams. And a couple years later, God convicted me and said, no, I was in those daydreams. I was there. And I had to repent for disbelieving God. I had to repent for limiting myself and putting a ceiling over what God could do in my life. And I want to tell you guys the same, and I'm going to get more into this as I get into the message, but that if God gives you dreams that are in line with justice, or in line with love, or in line with his heart, and these are dreams that give you peace, or give you joy, or just make you smile, like, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't that be so cool? Okay, those are dreams worth praying into. God doesn't give you stuff just to mock you. Okay, just to say, wouldn't it be great if you could do this? Too bad. You're limited. Okay, God doesn't do that. God's a loving God, and if he's giving you daydreams of love and justice, that's obviously not your selfish heart. Okay, that's from him. And if it's from him, God can do all things. And he can make it happen. And I want to add to you guys uh, part of the testimony. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. I can say that in my life, uh, I've really made a hard effort to follow God with my whole heart. And I don't know, it's just a grace that God had given me. But in university, I said, all right, God, I'm going to start living according to your word. I'm going to test you. And I'm going to see if you're really good. And I'm going to see if you're really true to these promises. And I just start going all out for him. And uh, when I was in high school, believe it or not, I, I was girl crazy. Okay, in high school, I was obsessed with relationships and thinking about marriage. My parents married when they were 18 and 19 years old. My sisters married when they were 21. And so in my mind, I'm going to get married by 21. I'll have kids when I'm 24. And so I was reading marriage books when I was like 18. <laughs> All right. Different culture, okay? Different culture. But I was really obsessed. And it got to the point where I broke up with my girlfriend uh, during my first year at university and I realized how much time I'd been wasting, kind of obsessing about relationships. And I was just starting to get a hunger for God. 
It was at that time I got a Lifehouse CD, and I realized, wait, Lifehouse, they're Christian. Jason Wade is Christian. And I started getting into Christian music, and then suddenly just this hunger for God started to rise up within me. And I realized, man, God's a lot better. I want to run after God. And as I began to pursue God, God said, hey, I want you to let go of relationships while you're at university. Okay? And to be honest, I was excited about it. I said, okay, God, I'm not going to date while I'm at Virginia Tech. I'm just going to seek you. I'm going to run after you, and I'm going to trust that you're going to provide those things in the future. Okay? And I just began to seek him. And, man, I grew with God so much at Virginia Tech. I was transformed over those few years that I was there. It was amazing. And uh, I graduated, and by the time I graduated, I was just so in love with the Lord that everything was surrendered to him. And I recognized, man, if I had been pursuing relationships, I probably would have been married by then. And if I was married, there's no way I would have gone to Korea. There's no way my heart would have been open to missions. Okay, I would have chosen my own way of life, my own cookie-cutter dreams, the own American dream, and I'd just be living in America doing that. Okay, not that there's anything so much wrong with that, but God had created me for so much more. And because I'd given up those things to him, he was just giving me that heart and opening doors that would have never been opened. And so I honored him. I obeyed him. I came to Korea. I continued to seek after him, following the leading of his word and following the counsel of leaders, spiritual leaders around me that I trusted. And even when they said things that I, I didn't really feel, you know, like well excited about, I just knew, man, if I honor my leaders, okay, then God's going to bless me. And I did it. And God has blessed me with the most amazing marriage. Okay? Most amazing marriage. And the way God orchestrated Sky and I coming together, um, it's a testimony in of itself. And I'll just share a couple small details. Uh, her background was that she moved to Korea when she was 13. Okay? And I'm sorry, moved to America when she was 13. And her parents had a really hard time. And uh, her dad ended up having to be taken away because of a fight. Uh, she had a, a restraining order. She couldn't be with her birth dad. Her mom ended up marrying another man, a stepfather, and uh, she had a, a hard life, okay? But she ended up accepting Christ at Virginia Tech. I actually helped lead her to Christ at Virginia Tech. This was a long time ago, seven years ago. We had no idea, all right? Uh, I, you know, like I said, I wasn't seeing her in any way. God had my eyes covered. I was focused on him and her. She was going all out for the Lord as well, uh, also letting go of different things. And uh, what ended up happening was she later was reconciled with her birth dad and was able to lead him to Christ and then help lead her brother to Christ. And so uh, just different things were being orchestrated. And even a month before we started dating, before I asked her out, uh, stuff just happened in her family where there was a lot of reconciliation. There was a lot of healing. God was just setting her up. And so I asked her out. We started dating. And then I remember Skyping with her dad for the first time. You know, this Korean man, and uh, he didn't tell us, but he had had a dream before we started dating of this white guy, all right, that was like he was in pastor clothes, but he wasn't really a pastor, and, um, you know, it was just this unique dream, and it was the description of me. And so when Sky told him, oh, I'm dating someone, it's this person, and uh, he actually had known about me because he knew that I had helped lead her to Christ years ago, he knew that we were we were meant to be. Now, he didn't say that, but it was just a confirmation for him. Well, then when we Skype, these are some of the first words he says to me. He says, uh, you helped lead my daughter to Christ. She, in turn, helped lead me to Christ and my son to Christ. I'm eternally grateful to you. I thank you. I love you. I bless you. 
Okay, he's saying this in like broken English. And, and, and I'm just like, what is going on? You know, it's the first conversation with a Korean dad. And, and I mean, if you guys know for, for interracial couples, it's usually tough. Okay, especially with the Asian parents. But for him, full blessing. And uh, it was just really ridiculous how God, he just continued to orchestrate different things. And I can really say that our personalities, Sky and me, is so unique how we've come together and how God prepared us for one another. And I'm so thankful that I waited. Okay, there have been so many other opportunities in my past where I could have just gone after someone or, or just trying to go my own way to fulfill my own surface desires. But I said, no, God, you know the desires of my heart. You know how to satisfy me far greater than I do. So I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust in you. And I want to tell you guys, he blessed me and he will bless you. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. God wants to satisfy you. God wants to bless you. He's a loving father. He is a loving father. Okay. All right. So these are some testimonies I want to share just to start to establish hope within you guys for freedom to dream. And uh, now I want to start to talk about steps to unlocking your dreams. Step to unlocking the freedom to dream. I'm going to have you guys open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Isaiah 49.23, it's a verse that I love. In the NIV, it says, Those who hope in the Lord will not be disappointed. Those who hope in the Lord will not be disappointed. Isaiah 49.23. In other translations, it says, Those who wait on Him will not be put to shame. This is the truth. This is the truth, and I've experienced in my life, that those who hope in the Lord, they will not be disappointed. And uh, I want to tell you guys that not all of you are meant to go into ministry not all of you are meant to go into North Korea. Probably some of you are like, hallelujah. All right. But that God has unique dreams for each and every one of you. God has given you a unique gifting, a unique personality, a unique background. Okay. And God has so much more inside and in store for you that's inside you that you don't even know. I had no idea that I like kids. Okay. I had no idea that I would be good with kids. But it was only as I obeyed the Lord that God began to reveal that side of me. And as I experienced it, I just began to grow in love with him. I had no desire for North Korea. Even when I went to South Korea and I knew that North Korea would be the end game, I had no heart for North Korea. But as I obeyed the Lord, people at church will know and they'll testify that I have a heart for North Korea. Okay, I have a passion for this country. All right, I, I don't know North Korea. I've never been to North Korea, but it's God. All right, God has given it to me. And God's going to give you things that, that you never even think of. And the analogy that, that I like to think of is life is like a jigsaw puzzle. Okay, And as you grow up, you're given some different pieces to your life. And so many of us, when we're young, we try and take those few pieces that we got. Those few moments when I was 10 years old, this really influenced me. Okay, When I was 15, I, I went on this trip and it really blessed me. Uh, my dad said that I would be like this. Those are a few puzzle pieces to your life. And you just try and piece those few pieces together to make out your whole future. Okay, But the truth is, it's only a small part of the puzzle. Okay? And what happens when you start to pursue God is he begins to reveal to you more puzzle pieces, okay, more and more of who you are, of who you are made to be, 
Uh, Pastor Aaron read Psalm 139, and it is the truth. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God's works are wonderful, and he knows that full well. All the days ordained for you were written in his book before one of them came to be. But you're not going to know that book unless you get to know him. Okay? And as you get to know him, these puzzle pieces are given to you, and then you start to see more. Wait, I have a heart for missions. I have a heart for children. Wait, I have a heart for justice. I have a heart for this. I had no idea. But it was as I obeyed him, these things were revealed to me. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. I love that verse too. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. The first step for having freedom to dream, the freedom to know your future, what, what the will is for your life, is to turn from your sins and let go of your past. It's to turn from your sins, that's what repentance means, and to let go of your past. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Let go of the earthly things. Let go of the things from your past and turn to the Lord. Remember the jigsaw puzzle analogy I just shared? Okay, not only do you have those few pieces of of influence and things that your parents spoke over you that have started to shape you and who you are. Maybe they even told you like they told me what major to do. So you're like, okay, well, that must be part of the puzzle. And, And you're just obeying or you're just doing it in blind faith. There's also a lot of puzzle pieces that you guys are carrying that you were never meant to carry. And what these puzzle pieces are is they're false identities that you've received through either your sin through addiction, through scars, through pain, through different things that have happened in your life. And so you think, you look at the, this, this jigsaw puzzle you're trying to put together, and part of that jigsaw puzzle says, uh, I'm from a broken home. I'm unloved. I'm an addict to sin. I'm ashamed. I'm dirty. Uh, I, I can't succeed. Okay, I'm boxed in. And you know what happens is these puzzle pieces, they don't fit, and they don't make art, and you're just trying, you start to get frustrated, and you tend to give up. Because of these puzzle pieces. And what God is saying is, let go of them. Let go of them. Repeat after me. I don't want those puzzle pieces. Okay, look at Colossians 3, verses 5 through 10. It says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, covetousness, uh, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And those you once walked when you were living in them, But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Put off the old self. Turn from the past. It's not who you are meant to be. It's not who God made you to be. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. You're not dirty. You're not ashamed. You're not broken. Okay, those are lies of the enemy. And God says, I will heal your broken pieces. I will heal your heart. I will cleanse you of your sin. I will set you upon my rock. I will make you healed, delivered, and strong. I share with you guys that I'm I'm the coordinator of the Healing Deliverance Ministry at New Philadelphia Church. And I think just the name Healing Deliverance Ministry is kind of intimidating. It's kind of scary. Okay, and I've even led sessions and people are like, are you going to exercise my demons? I'm like, what on earth? Like, okay, calm down, you know. That's that's not the plan here. 
Okay, and, and to be honest, my plan when, when I go into a session, and what goes on in a session, if you're curious, is there's a questionnaire, and it's basically, you know, just stuff in the past, sins that would lead to bondage. Okay, and the most obvious that people are the most ashamed of or the most afraid of are sins of lust, like pornography, masturbation, you know, just having sex, you know, outside of marriage, these different things. And that's on it. So, you know, you gotta check it off. Right, sins of the occult. Uh, fortune telling, you know, palm reading, stuff like that. And then there's unforgiveness. And then there's suicidal thoughts. Uh, there's, there's rage. There's, you know, have you been raped? You know, have you had an abortion? Questions like that. There's the heavy stuff that most people would never want to share. Okay. And they got to check it off because, you know, you got to address the past. You got to identify the wound before you can be healed. But, you know, when we get in the session, I'm not like, you sinner, you know, or I'm not like, I cast you out, you spirit, you know, I'm not doing that. Okay. It's very easy. Repentance is easy. It's so easy. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, the thief next to him said, uh, you know, Jesus, remember me in heaven. All he said was a, words of faith. He said, please remember me. And Jesus said, I'll see you in heaven. Okay, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. The world and Satan will just try and put all this weight on your shoulders that when I say like masturbation, some of you get all like, oh, okay, because that's what the world's put on you. But God says, look, you know, that's not who you really are. That's what the world tried to put on you. Remember those surface desires, those surface desires? He's tried to put that on you, but that's not who you really are. That's not who I made you to be. Now just give me those surface desires. Give me those surface sins. Give me the stuff that's marring your dreams. Okay, I'll do away with it and I'll make you whole. I'll make you clean. And then you're going to be able to see with clarity. All right, the verse I love to share to people who are nervous about healing deliverance ministry is Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Okay, so quit trying to think that you're the only one. All right, Romans 3.10 says there's no unrighteous, not even one. So people are like, okay, well, everyone's sinned. Well, they don't know about my sin. My sin's different from everyone else. I've heard it all, okay? Ecclesiastes 1.9 says there is nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing about your past that's going to surprise God. Oh, you know, whoa, what, what about this? No, okay. I've led so many different sessions, all sorts of strange things, you know, different things, things that bring so much shame on people. But it's just like, that's not who you are. And when I look at them, I'm not focused on your, your sin, your sin, your sin. I'm focused on who God's bringing them to be, who God has really made them to be. I'm focused on the end product, okay? And I'm just focused on, all right, let's get rid of that stuff. Just confess it. Okay, repent of these things. Repentance means not just I'm sorry, but means I'm turning from it. Okay, repent of these things. We need to forgive those people that have hurt hurt you. We need to renounce those false identities and declare the truth of who you are in God. And as they do that, they go from being so locked up in the beginning and scared and ashamed to the end. They're just so free. Just like that memory when, when I was praying about my future and the peace of God came on me. Man, I see it every session. They get that peace that like, man, for so long in my life, I was carrying those puzzle pieces that I thought I would have to carry all my life, that I thought were just who I am, that I'm dirty, that I'm, I'm, you know, broken, that, that I, I just can't get over anything. I thought I'd have to carry this all my life. And now I realize it's all been a lie that God really wants to set me free. And he has, he's come that I may have life and have it to the full. It's the truth. God wants to set you free church. And I'll tell you, if it wasn't until I dealt with my own struggles with lust and impurity from my youth that I began to see God clearly. Because those sins of lust and impurity that so many guys and girls go through, 
They had made me feel like uh, I'm too dirty to be with God. I'm too ashamed of these things. And to be honest, I was too addicted. I'd rather have my little short, you know, satisfaction than really run after God. And so it was both shame and it was also my addiction. But as I began to hear from God and and just seek him a bit more, I started to realize, man, he's so good. I, I want him. God, give me grace. God, give me grace. And he wasn't like, no, you must, you know, pay for your sins. No, God sent his son into the world because he loved us to set us free from that stuff. Why would he want me to mire in it? Why would he want me to be punished because of it? He wants to set me free. And so he began to give me grace and I began to, to get accountability and share those things and walk into full freedom. And I've been walking in that freedom for so long. And in that, I started to see you with clarity and I started to no longer be, un- be ashamed when I'm in front of the Lord and just receive. And it's the same for my wife. I told you about her past and because of her her past and she's been through a lot more than what I just shared. But there's been different lies that were spoken over her. Her stepfather would constantly make her feel like she can't satisfy anyone, that she's not good enough, that she's just not good enough. And she would try so hard to please him and to get him to say, I I love you. And he would never say, I love you. He would just he would refuse and he would reject her love. And so she lived under that lie, that jigsaw puzzle piece that I can never satisfy the father. That I, I can never, you know, I amount to anything. I'm not good enough. And even when we dated, there were certain moments where she wouldn't be able to receive all of my love because there was this false identity that she would just not be good enough. And so it was causing her to even block. And so we just had to identify it. And like, and she would, we would pray and then suddenly she'd get like certain memories. And we're like, all right, we need to forgive your stepdad for this. And she would forgive him. She would bless him. And then she would renounce those false identities. I renounce that, that, you know, I'm, I'm good for nothing. I renounce that I can't do anything. I declare that in Christ I can do all things. I declare that in Christ I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm the apple of his eye. Okay? And as that happened, those, those lies, those false puzzle pieces, they just fell. And suddenly she was able to receive that same love that was being blocked before. You see, if you want freedom to dream, you gotta let go of the past. You gotta deal with it. Stop trying to put it off. Stop thinking, I'll deal with it when I'm 30. I'll deal with it when I'm 40. I'll deal with it when I'm in heaven. Okay? Stop putting it off. All right, in fact, I want you guys to open up your notebook right now or get a piece of paper for someone around you. I'm not going to collect this. Don't be afraid. But I feel like the Holy Spirit's going to prompt you guys for certain things right now. We're just going to take a pause. And if you get something... Whether it's unforgiveness, remembering someone that, man, you just have so much bitterness against or so much hurt. Or it's a certain sin that maybe as I was listing sins, reading Colossians 3, that you're like, oh, that was me. Oh, I, you know, that's me right now. Okay, I want you to write it down. We're not showing this to anyone. You can write it cryptically if you want. Okay? (laughs) But I want to tell you that if you're writing this down, if God's reminding you of these things, because I can tell you, Satan doesn't want to remind you right now. He doesn't want you to repent. Okay, he wants to have that you you to have that weight all your life. But if God's revealing it to you right now, then it's something he wants to set you completely free from. He loves you. He sent his son for you to die that you might have life and life to the full. So let's just take a couple minutes. I'm not going to speak. And I just want you guys to write whatever comes into your spirit right now of things you feel like God just wants you to, to bring to him and to deal with. There's no shame here, guys. No shame.
Maybe it was a memory of being abused. Maybe it was a memory you've tried to cover over. Okay. God is light. And as she read in Psalm 139, even in darkness, his light will find you. You can make your bed in heaven or you can make your bed in Sheol, the grave, hell. It doesn't matter where you go. God's love is going to find you. And his light eclipses the darkness. It destroys the darkness. So even the memories that you've tried to bury, God wants to uncover and bring healing and set you free from it. Let me give you guys about 20 more seconds. Okay, if, if God continues to prompt things on you, just continue to write it down later. All right, God, God's going to do everything. All right, there's nothing that he wants to hold you back from. There's nothing that he's just going to ignore and be like, that's, you know, your ball and chain or that's, you know, your thorn in your side or that's just what you got to carry all your life. He will set you free of anything and of everything. And uh, if you need some more hope or inspiration of that, just talk to any of the Emmaus staff and listen to their testimonies. Okay, you'd be amazed at just the broken people that attend New Philadelphia Church. Okay, I've led plenty of sessions, and man, it, we got it all. All right, we really, we got it all. Uh, there's nothing new under the sun, and uh, it's all there in New Philly. And so you will just see people that are free. You'll see people that you would never expected were in prison. You know, we never expected, you know, to, to have been having abortions or to have been kidnapped, you know, to have been raped, to have been a drug addict, a sex addict, you know, to have had bulimia, to, to have had, you know, all sorts of other addictions or backgrounds of pain and suffering. You never expect it because you see people that are set free, that are just in love with the Lord and, and are just so joyful. And I mean, I can tell you, Pastor Aaron had no idea six years ago, that she'd be doing what she's doing right now. All right, her story is just like mine. She started following the Lord, and God began to reveal within her desires that she didn't know she had and began to reveal giftings within her she didn't know she had. And now she's walking and exercising gifts that some of them she even recognized when she was little. Like, I have this ability with people. I have this ability with, with relating and discerning. But she never thought it was God. She, well, I, doubt, I doubt she ever thought that it would be where she's at now, that God would have her where she is now, using that so powerfully with you guys and so many others. That's the same for like the rest of the staff, the rest of the leadership of New Philly. It's so powerful. And so I don't want you guys to ever let the world set limits on you. I don't want you to ever let your sin put limits on your life. And if there's stuff that you've been writing down today, I want to encourage you after this to talk to a staff leader 
Okay, to talk to your small group leader or to talk to someone and just let the chains be broken off. And if it's deep, God will deal with you in his time. Okay, God's not going to open you up so you're just a mess. Okay, he is the master physician. He knows the steps and the time for everything and he will lead you through it. He will set you free. He wouldn't have sent his son otherwise. He wants to set you free. Now let's go to the next step. Uh, Colossians 3, let's read verses 3 and 4. says in verse 3, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. The next step to being free to dream is to know that you're dead. Okay? That's a little weird. But it says it right here. You've died. You have died. All right? If you really want freedom to dream, you got to know that you're not limited by your natural self. You're dead. Okay, you are dead. You are an eternal being. If you are in Christ, you're a son of God. You're, citizen, you're a citizen of heaven. It means that your end doesn't happen when you die here on earth. Your end is eternal. Okay, there is no limit to you. You're already dead. And if you want to live by your flesh, if you want to live by the natural means, you're going to be limited. And you're going to be living in sin because you're living by your flesh. But if you truly believe that you've died to the flesh and you're living in the spirit, you're free to dream. Because in dreams, you have no limit. Think about when you dream at night, you can fly, you can teleport. It's like scene change, scene change, you know. All right, you're all over the place. You can do anything. All right, why? Because you're not limited to the natural. And if you're limiting yourself right now to the natural that, all right, well, this is my background. This is my race. This is my education. This is, you know, the the stuff. Then I'm going to tell you, you're going to be limited to your future. The dreams that you have, they're going to be cut down. But if you will know that you're already dead, okay, and you're a spiritual being, and that in Christ you can do anything, then, man, dreams are released like like nothing, okay? Maybe you've heard the line in movies, you know, you can't kill me, I'm already dead, okay? I mean, there's such freedom in that, you know? It's like, I think the Jason movies, that was a common line in all the Jason movies where they try and kill him. They're like, you can't kill him. He's already dead. And it's just like, what do we do with this guy? You know, but that's the same in the spiritual realm. Satan looks at you and he knows, man, if you know that you're already dead, he can't stop you. Nothing can happen. Okay. Thank you. Okay. All right. You're already dead. And uh, for me and in, in my life, all right, I'm supposed to go into North Korea and I'm supposed to take care of these kids. Now look at North Korea. You got over 20 million people. They're they're all in all this idolatry and all this sin, all these struggles. Okay, I can barely speak the language. How am I supposed to, as this white guy, go into North Korea and make a difference? If I'm looking at it in the natural, all right, I'm limited. And to be honest, I might as well just go home. All right, nothing I can do. Change the world. Yeah, right. Look at me, I'm an engineer and not even being an engineer. I'm teaching English at this little children's home. What can I do? But God's revealed too many dreams. He's revealed too much of his heart to me. Okay, and I got to run after him. I, I just, I got to go. And I know he's going to make this happen in North Korea. I know I'm already dead. Nothing can stop me. All right, in the next step, this last step, and this is the most important step. Look back at verse 3. It says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. The most important step to having freedom to dream is to know that your life is hidden with Christ. You really want to know your life? You really want to know who you are? You got to get to know the Lord. You got to seek it out. You got to seek him. 
Apart from God, I would never come to Korea. Apart from God, I would never be serving orphans. Apart from God, I would never be doing what I'm doing now. I would have never married Sky. I would have just been doing my own thing. But because of God, because I've sought him, because I've really just given my life to him, those who hope in the Lord, they will not be disappointed. I've found that out. And I've discovered who I am. And God's been showing me this masterpiece of this jigsaw puzzle. And he has a masterpiece for each and every one of you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans for a hope and for a future. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call to me. I will answer you and tell you great unsearchable things you do not know. Okay, you want to know great unsearchable things? You got to seek it out. You got to call to the Lord. You got to seek him. And when you do that, you will know far more about you and you'll have excitement for the future because you know there's no limit. Okay, some of you guys are good at relating with people, perhaps like Pastor Aaron. God's gifted you and you just enjoy getting to know people. But little do you know that God's created you for so much more. Okay, not just to relate to people, but to speak life into them to set them free, to discern secrets within them, and to bless them, to reveal the treasures, the gold that's within them. Some of you love art, okay? And you love just seeing things in a weird way, ways that an engineer can't see, okay? And God has gifted you not just to to have that, that, that gift about you, but to reveal the spiritual realm to people, to reveal the Father's love in creative and amazing ways, okay? To bring just revelation to this world. God's given you gifts. And for some of you, there's just a yearning inside you to make a difference. And so maybe you're an engineer, okay? And God might be calling you to go to a country and to release solar energy or to release fresh water or to release something that's severely needed and to change the world. Some of you are are studying to be a teacher and God might be calling you to go into the inner city, okay? And to release a hope and an education that none of them have ever received, okay? To release just a shockwave of love throughout the community. Some of you are studying to be a doctor, And God's calling you to set up a practice that's going to be different from all the other practices where you're going to be able to to take care of people in a different way and reveal the Father's love and reveal true healing to them. And God's going to set you apart. Okay, I mean, these are just examples of potential that you guys have. Your generation has the most potential of any other generation that's walked this earth. You have a freedom to dream like no other generation. And this is a generation that I truly believe the Father God has set apart. Father God has set apart. Okay? And so right now, I want to invite up Susie real quick. And we're going to pray. I know uh, we need to go to lunch. We're going to take about five minutes. And uh, we're going to pray. Is that okay? (laughs) I want you guys to close your eyes. Susie, if you could just play. Just close your eyes. I'm going to speak some truth over you guys. Guys, I've taken care of, of children in these orphanages for, this is my seventh year, like I said. And I can tell you that I've experienced the Father's heart for these kids. And I see them, and although they're broken, I mean, these kids have such broken lives. That's why they're in the orphanage. And they have so much struggles and anger issues and, and depression and just all these things. That so many people give up on them. Just, just, man, there's no reaching these kids. But as I've served them and as I've loved them, I've experienced God's love for them and how God's love never fails. It never dies. It never ends. It endures forever. And I know that the same heart God's given me for them, God has for you. God loves you. It was no coincidence that Pastor Aaron read Psalm 139 today. 
Guys, you were created in God's image. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. All the days of your life were written in this book before one of them came to be. Precious, precious are God's thoughts of you. They are more than the sand of the sea. He says, you are the apple of my eye. He says in Isaiah 62, you are crowned in my hands. Isaiah 49 says, I have written you on the palm of my hand. You are engraved in the palm of my hands. This is how much I love you. And if if I can't say it enough, let me demonstrate by sending my son. For God so loved the world that he sent his son to die on the cross that we might be free from sin and we might know him, that we might be accepted and truly know the purpose that God has for our life. God demonstrates his own love to us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He knew about the jigsaw puzzle pieces that weren't of you. He knew about your sin. He knew about your struggles. He knew that you'd go your own way at different times in your life, but he doesn't care. He loves you. He made you. He will never deny you. He will never turn his back from you. You are precious. You are beautiful. And he has a plan for you. He delights in you. He is a good father. And he knows your heart more than you do, more than your parents do, more than anyone else. And he wants to reveal himself to you.